Father God, we just are so thankful that we can come to this warm, safe place tonight uh, to see friends, to enjoy one another, to praise and talk to you and to hear from you. And Father, so we ask tonight that you would help us to listen. Amen. Do you know one in six Australians has hearing loss? One in six. (laughs) Do anybody, put your hand up, do you know someone with some form of hearing loss? Not including your parents, right? 30,000 Australians have complete hearing loss. We can only imagine, I think, as a church, um, what it would be like not to be able to hear your friends laugh, not to be able to listen to Spotify, not to hear just life. Um, This movie won Best Picture this week, and um, most of the time Best Picture are weird movies, and um, this one is well worth watching. Uh, You have to have Apple, I think, to watch it, but it's called Coda. And what it is, it's the story of a deaf family uh, with one member who um, has has no hearing loss and how they do life together. It's stunning. It is beautiful. And what it does is for for me and maybe you who has never experienced hearing loss is to to live in that community for 90 minutes. Um, Brilliant. But there are other types of hearing loss, isn't there? You guys have got hearing loss. It's that you know, teenager hearing loss. Sorry, Mum, I I just never heard you. You wanted me to come home at 10pm, not 10am. Sorry, just forgot to put my lunchbox, shoes, whatever away. Like Selective hearing loss, you've all got it. Or social media hearing loss. You know when you might put something intelligent on social media and you might think someone might say something intelligent back, but they don't. They just kind of scream at you with really loud capitals and they call you names, but they don't ever engage with what you say. Now, maybe that doesn't happen on your social media. definitely happens on mine. But you know there's a worst form of hearing loss. It is spiritual deafness. It is when you cannot hear God speak. And I want you to know that lots of people in Orange and beyond have great hearings. They hear everything. But they are spiritually deaf. So tonight, as Miles said, we're going to meet three groups of people and all three groups have hearing loss. All of them come to Jesus and all of them get treated by Jesus differently. That's interesting. Group number one, the deaf man of chapter 7. Look at verse 31, chapter 7, 31. Again, leaving the region of Tyre, he went by the way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee through the region of the Decapolis. They brought to Jesus a deaf man who had difficulty speaking and they begged Jesus to lay his hands on him. So where are we? We're not in Jewish religious territory. We're in what we call Gentile territory, which knew basically nothing about who Jesus was or the Bible. And what we do is some blokes have got a mate and he's horribly deaf, so much so that he can't speak. So it's impacted, his hearing has impacted his speech. But he's got great friends, and his friends bring him to Jesus. And Mark just records this beautiful scene. They beg Jesus to heal, and what Jesus does is he takes the guy aside and gives him personal attention. It's beautiful, isn't it? Like one-on-one with Jesus. 
And then Jesus does something weird to us, doesn't he? He gets his fingers and sticks them like, like a wet willy. Remember those things? Like, it's kind of gross, you know? He just, uh, and then he spits on, oh, this is so COVID not nice, right? He spits on his hand and he touches his tongue and then he points to heaven. And we go, that's weird. But do you know what? That deaf man didn't think it was weird. It was sign language. You see, that deaf man knew exactly what Jesus was saying because Jesus was saying, I'm going to fix these. I'm going to fix this. And I'm going to get help from up there. And then the passage says it's brilliant, isn't it? Jesus says one word. We say millions of words. Jesus says one, and immediately his ears were opened, healed. Immediately he could speak properly. It's astonishing. We all see those things on YouTube or uh, on, you know, Carols by Candlelight every year where a kid or an adult, they hear for the first time. Oh, the joy in in their face when they hear a musical note. That's what's going on here. And Jesus, sorry, Mark says the crowd were extremely astonished. You don't need two words there, right? You can be astonished and that's big. This is extremely astonished. And Mark does that, I think, because that group of people unknowingly speak words from the Bible. Okay, they unknowingly say it. They don't know they're saying it, but they are saying it. Because, you know, look at Isaiah chapter 35, 800 years before Jesus. Then the eyes of the blind will be open, the ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer, the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. This is not a random miracle. This is a sign that the promised kingdom of God, when God will fix this broken, awful world, is about to happen. And so whenever in the Bible you see blind people seeing and deaf people hearing, you're meant to click, ah, God is bringing his kingdom. More than physical, spiritual. Okay, character number one, deaf man, comes to Jesus humbly. He begs. And what does he find? He finds compassion. Okay? But before we meet groups two and three, Mark takes us on this tangential journey, right? We go wandering off to the bush. Let's have a look at it there, beginning of chapter eight. We go out to the bush and we find a Gentile crowd gathered around Jesus. So basically it's a bunch of people at Boronor, right? Standing around Jesus, listening to him. Most of them have walked there. You guys never walk. They all walked there. They're tired. Their entire lunchbox is empty. They've been there three days. But they're not leaving. If you've ever been somewhere where you think, I'm hungry but I'm not leaving, that's what they're going through, right? Jesus sees the problem. And he's annoyed. No, he's not annoyed. He thinks, I'm too important for this. I've got to get some servant to fix it. No. He doesn't think that. He is overwhelmed with compassion for the tiny need of the human. Never think God doesn't care about your homework, your boyfriend or girlfriend issues. What you think is tiny, the Saviour cares about. And he's filled with compassion. Now, if you've read your Bible ever, you will have heard about the story when Jesus feeds 5,000. And you think, hmm, this story sounds a lot like that, right? But the disciples, they had no idea. Look at verse 4. Where can anyone get enough bread here in this desolate place to feed these people? Really? 
they asked that question. They'd just seen Jesus feed 5,000 people and now they're wondering what Jesus will do. Scholars who study the Bible go, it's illogical. It just can't be real. They can't have asked that question. Some of the scholars say Mark just got forgetful. He wrote chapter 6 and forgot about it, so he wrote chapter 8 and just copied the same story. I actually think both events happened. I think the evidence is really clear. Now, the stories are very similar, right? There's a hungry crowd. Jesus is compassionate. The disciples are weird. Jesus does a miraculous act. The people are filled to their brim and there's leftovers, right? Same story. But there are differences. Do you notice the differences? The numbers. The numbers are different. There's different amount of bread, there's different amounts of days, there's different amounts of leftovers. Why is the numbers important? Because we were talking, we're talking about an oral tradition, not a written tradition. We're a written tradition, right? We write books, we write text messages, we write blogs, right? We pass information by writing. They passed information verbally. They were a storytelling culture. But the trick with the storytelling culture is they didn't get the numbers wrong. They worked very hard to always get the numbers right. And so the numbers being different does indicate two different stories. Also, look what Jesus says at the end of the chapter. He says there were two different stories. He says he healed 5,000. He says he healed 4,000. And Jesus doesn't lie. Okay, So I think they're both two different stories, right? So let's go back to the bush. Compassionate Jesus, hungry crowd, confused disciples. Jesus turns to his disciples and said, here we go again. How many loaves do you have? Etc. Etc. He gives thanks. He breaks the bread. He gives the bread to the disciples. The disciples hand them everywhere. Look at verse 8. The crowd, 4,000 ate and were satisfied. Oh, they collected seven large baskets of leftover pieces. The scale, slightly less, 4,000, not 5,000. But the crowd, like Pizza Hut, all you can eat, right? They are stuffed to the gills, right? They do not need anything else. They are so full. And then Jesus sends them home completely satisfied. Truly, this must be the bread of life, the provider. Okay, why does, why does Mark include this tangential journey? Okay. Absolutely, it's Jesus, Jewish Messiah, doing something in a non-Jewish world to say God cares for more than Jewish people. Absolutely. But here's why I think Mark does it. I think in the context of a deaf man being healed, this shows how deaf the disciples are. Did you get that? In the context of a deaf story, a deaf man got healed, This shows how deaf the disciples are. To have forgotten the feeding of the 5,000 indicates there's a problem with these two things. Now, before Jesus deals with his disciples, he has to do group two. Group two are the Pharisees. Pharisees are religious leaders. Have a look at it there in verse 11. Jesus gets in a boat. He goes from uh, east to west. He goes back to Jewish country, Israel country, and he immediately gets off his boat and there is conflict. The Pharisees again. Okay? Constant fighting. So they come up to Jesus and they say, we want a sign from heaven. What does that mean? We want you to do a big, powerful, visible thing. Now, 
Before you get cranky, that request is probably not as wrong as you think. Because in the Bible, having a sign to authenticate a prophet or someone claiming to come from God is totally reasonable. Moses did it, and you know that. Elijah did it. You may not know that, but you do now. All the the apostles did it in Acts. You read about it, and they did signs to show they were from God. But actually, this was a disingenuous request. They don't want a sign. They came for dispute, not dialogue. To discredit Jesus, not learn. They came to Jesus arrogantly. I've got a mate called Bill. It's not his real name, but because we're recording tonight. Uh, but uh, I love my friend Bill. We catch up about once a quarter, online, offline, and we talk. And he fires question after question. He is the best. You think your questions are good at 630? He nails, right? He stumps me often. But doesn't matter what he asks. I come back with an answer, and he has no interest in listening. All he wants to do is ask the questions because he's coming to Jesus arrogantly. He's not coming to Jesus to learn. He's coming to Jesus to discredit. That's the Pharisees. They are willfully deaf, willfully deaf because they refuse to listen. And see in verse 12, this creates an audible emotional response of Jesus. Jesus sighs deeply in his spirit. You've got to kind of imagine it's like, ah, he's so frustrated. He says, why does this generation demand a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to this generation. What would cause Jesus, the creator, saviour of the world, to sigh? Here's why. Because for three years, he'd walked with those Pharisees saying, It's me. I'm the sign. You want fireworks? You've got God walking in front of you. What more do you need? Interestingly, Jesus recognises that type of willful deafness as a global problem. And I think it's true, isn't it? I used to teach high school SRE. You go in and... People volunteer to come to your class. And I, I would teach. I loved it, loved it, loved the talk, loved the debates. But I'd get to December and we'd be kind of wrapping the year and, and I'd say, well, what have you learned? And I'd often hear the same thing. So I would believe in Jesus if he turned up in the classroom today. I'd believe in Jesus if he did this. There was always a need for something more, for, for Jesus to have to prove himself more and more and more. Often you might find that in your friends at school or at uni or or in your families. It's willful deafness. No amount of evidence is enough. What Jesus does here is he gives an oath of judgment. He says, that's it. He says, no more signs. And it's horrible, isn't it? He turns his back on the Pharisees. Can I say, you never want Jesus to turn his back on you. If Jesus, the saviour of the world, has turned his back on you, you've been rejected. The Pharisees, they come to Jesus arrogantly above him. And what do they find? Rejection. And so group three, what happens to the disciples? 
Well, let's have a look at the disciples. Verse 14. We're back on a boat again. And they're having the most silly tears ever, right? They're having this complete breakdown because there's no bread. They forgot the bread. You've got 12 blokes, one sausage roll, and they're cutting it up, right? Like it just doesn't, like, they just completely lost it, right? They just, can you imagine the fight? Hey, James, why haven't you got the bread? Thomas, it's Tuesday. It's bread day, Tuesday. Where's the, this has got to be the dumbest argument in the Bible. These blokes just saw Jesus feed 5,000 people with 12, 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread, and they are losing the plot that they're going to be hungry. So Jesus gives them a warning. See it there in 15? Watch out. Beware of the leaven or yeast of the Pharisees and the leaven or yeast of the Herod. What Jesus is saying there is, be very careful of the infectious influence of the Pharisees and Herod. Now those two blokes, well, sorry, Pharisees are more than one, but those two groups were Jesus' enemies. Okay, So he's saying, beware of the infectious influence of them. How infectious? You know, Jesus could have used COVID, right? You know, if there was the model, like that's infectious. But yeast has the same idea. Tiny, but it goes through the whole of a loaf of bread. And what Jesus is saying is, is those two groups infect you. Now, what's he mean by that? What he's saying here is, be careful of people whose religion is all for show. Be careful of people whose religion is just on the outsides of doing good things. Be careful of people who come to Jesus cynically or with kind of foolish arguments because they will infect you. What Jesus does here is destroy a popular modern myth. You have been taught since babies that you can be an individual. Secular modernism is all about saying individualism. You be you. Your parents have no idea what that means, but you guys do. You be you. Just whatever you are, you are. You can be most happy when you are you. Individualism, right? It's a myth. You don't live on an island. You live with a phone in your pocket. You go to school. You do online and offline. You live in a family. You live in two families. You have friends and sport. There is no part of your life you are not being constantly influenced and shaped and impacted by others. UBU is a myth because UBU is constantly being influenced by others. You know what Jesus would say to you guys? You've got five billion voices in your pocket tonight. And they're all trying to influence you. I don't need to tell you that, right? I've been talking about being influencers all day and the adults have been going, yeah, yeah, I get that. They don't know any clear. You know what an influencer is, don't you? You log on to TikTok, the influencers, the ones that get up the front of your profile. That's, you understand what it means to be influencers. You're adopted that. What Jesus is saying is watch out for the influencers in your life. Watch out for the yeast of YouTube, of social media. If you're a Christian tonight, can I just say something very strong to you? But I'm saying it gently. I think you're far too naive. I think you're constantly consuming heresy. 
I think you're constantly consuming moralism and cynical attitudes to Jesus without enough care. There is so much going into your ears and too little of it is being put away and you're not saying that is rubbish. It is bad yeast or a bad influence. Can I, I want to say this very clearly. Jesus is not saying go up Canobolus, sit in a tent and hide from the world. He's not saying that. What he's saying is watch out. He's saying be aware that the five billion voices in your pocket tonight are going to influence you. And some of that influence will lead you away from Jesus. Okay. So Jesus says to his disciples, watch out. And what do they go? They go, Jesus, we haven't got enough bread. Unbelievable. It's like year eight boys, right? It's just food, 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 right? It's just the disciples, right? Jesus is utterly frustrated. I don't know how Jesus, perfect, all-powerful, is frustrated, but he really is in this passage. It's like for three chapters it's been growing, and now it's like, why is he frustrated? Because for three years they've been with him. They saw Jesus heal the deaf man, raise Jairus' daughter, cast the demon out, heal the paralyzed man. They get one-on-one tutorials with Jesus every night. They picked up the bread after the 4,000 and the 5,000. They really should have grasped that there was something special about Jesus. But they're dull. Jesus says they're foolishly deaf. They've not done the hard work of listening. Very frustrating to Jesus. Um, You may not have picked this up, but um, in verse 18, what Jesus does is he uses the same phrase that he used to describe the Pharisees in chapter 4, which comes from Isaiah chapter 6 about his best friends. He says, you are blind and deaf. You are spiritually deaf. We end with a sad, funny, sad, funny event, right? At the end of our passage, Jesus is like talking to a year one kid. See it there? Hey, boys, have you got two eyes? Yep. Two ears? Yep. Do you remember the 5,000 being fed? Yeah. 4,000 being fed? Yeah. Do you understand? No. Do you want me to spell Messiah? M E. It's comically horrible. Right? They don't get it. But did you notice there's two beautiful words? They're three letters beginning with Y. Yet. See that yet there in verse 17, the yet there in 21? The deafness is not permanent. It's temporary. Because if you read the rest of Mark at home this week, you'll realize Jesus works and works and works and works and works and works so these blokes can see and understand who Jesus is and what he's done. That's Jesus' grace. I became a Christian, you guys know this, I became a Christian at 17. God worked and worked and worked and worked for 17 years before I finally heard and understood. What's your story? Maybe it was 10 years. 
Maybe it was 50 years. You should talk to each other as, as a Like, how long did it take God to open your ears? Some of you haven't had your ears opened yet. That's okay. Maybe tonight. But everyone who's become a Christian has had God work and work and work because you cannot become a Christian unless Jesus works in these things to help you hear and understand. So here's the question for tonight. How do you come to Jesus? The deaf man, he comes humbly, gets compassion. The Pharisees, he comes arrogantly on top of Jesus, rejected. The disciples, they come foolishly and they find patience. What about you? How do you come to Jesus? Are you tonight sitting over Jesus, looking down on him, going, I'm not sure about this guy. Are you sitting under him going, I just want to learn from you, Jesus? Are you looking Jesus in the eyes going, me and you, Jesus, we're equals? Or are you tonight come to Jesus distracted? It's kind of like, I just want to talk about bread. When are we going to Maccas? Is, is that kind of the, or are you here at just totally alert going, something special about you, Jesus, I want to listen. You see, whatever way you come to Jesus impacts how you listen to Jesus. Do you listen to who Jesus says he is and what he's come to do? I want you to know tonight Jesus is Messiah. Messiah means saviour. And he's come to save you from you. He is what the Bible calls saviour king. He forgives and he wants to be your boss. What that means is if you find yourself equal with Jesus, you haven't met him properly. If Jesus is your kicking bag that you kind of go, oh, I could prove Jesus wrong on this, this, you haven't met the real Jesus. If Jesus is your genie, you just like him, you know, you send up a request occasionally to pass a test, not the real Jesus. The real Jesus is Messiah King. If you haven't heard the real Jesus, sit under him and learn. And you know what the great news is? It's not all up to you. Isn't that great? Jesus heals spiritually deaf ears. What that means is if you're praying for a friend at school to understand, you are doing the most powerful thing you can do because that friend will never come to know Jesus unless you pray. Because Jesus has to do the spiritual healing. But that doesn't mean that you and me and them don't have to listen as well. It's a dual thing. He heals our ears, we need to listen. What that means is if you end up in heaven when you die, you will spend eternity thanking Jesus that he opened your ears. If you end up in hell being justly punished for your life, you'll kick yourself that you didn't listen to Jesus. See, they, they both work. Jesus opens ears. We need to listen. And so tonight, a whole bunch of you are sitting here and you listen a bit, but... You're a little bit like this image, right? Jesus' words are the water and it just rolls over you like a rock. It never quite goes in. If that's you tonight, can I encourage you, change your approach to Jesus. Say sorry to Jesus for not listening and then stop talking and listen. 
and listen. Let him tell you who he is and who you are. And when he does, the Holy Spirit will work in you and work in you and work in you. That Holy Spirit is very powerful and he will help you understand you and him and you will find forgiveness and compassion and power. There are many of you tonight who are not like that. And so the image for you is a sponge. You're not a rock that Jesus' water rolls over. You, you're a sponge. And you just want to wanna listen to Jesus, right? You want to absorb what he says. And that means that sometimes at church at 6.30 or at growth group or wherever, you have moments of clarity. It's like, yes, I get it. And there are other times where your sponge has got this big fat hole in the middle and it just goes through and it's like, oh man, I'm not hearing anything. And sometimes your sponge is so hard that it kind of just bounces off. And But then you actually go and find out what Jesus says. All of those are the normal life of the Christian. Moments of clarity, moments of just forgetfulness, and moments of really struggling with what the king of the universe has to say to you. All of those are normal. So be assured, if that is you, if you're a sponge and you just want to hear what your saviour is saying, he is working in you. And he's changing you from the inside out. And he will keep helping you to listen till you die. So tonight, church at 6.30, where do you need to listen to Jesus? Where do you need to listen to Jesus? How do you approach the saviour of the world? Let me pray. Father God, Father God, you are a great and merciful God. And you're a speaking God and we can't know you without listening. We pray that for those in this room with who are like a rock, who just don't hear you, that you would break that tonight, like you healed that deaf man. And they would hear and listen and understand and respond and grow and find compassion and forgiveness. And for those of us who are listening, may we continue to listen humbly till the day we die. Lord God, thank you for doing marvellous work in our ears. In Jesus' name, amen.